Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. It's prediction day on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Coming out on an early Friday morning, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Thanks to Heritage Digital, uh, as always, for sponsoring the top of the show. Uh, This is usually out on Thursdays. Had a little technical difficulty with my Zoom application yesterday. Believe it or not, had to download some new ones. And by the time it got to be 8 o'clock at night, I said, well, you know, I'll just bag it and get up tomorrow. So it's a two-for-one Friday here because you get this episode. Uh, and then the normal Friday week wrap uh, will come out later today. Uh, so two episodes of Inside the Gamecocks for you. Apologize for that on Thursday. Um, but we're going to go ahead and get to the matter at hand, which is the Gamecocks playing the East Carolina Pirates uh, tomorrow. High noon kickoff should be relatively warm in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, Gamecocks first trip up there. Since 1997, this game has been in the works since the Spurrier era. I remember when they signed the contract, uh, Spurrier had a quote about looking forward to playing Skip Holtz and his team. And that was a, that was one, one, two, this is the third coach since Skip up there. And the second coach, well, if you count interims uh, for the Gamecocks, uh, Mike Bobo and Sean Elliott, it's the fourth head coach (laughs) to lead the Gamecocks since Steve Spurrier announced his retirement or, you know, uh, resignation, as he liked to put it, midway through the 2015 season. Uh, They're coached by Mike Houston, uh, who's been successful everywhere he's been. Uh, But East Carolina in and of itself, since they fired Ruffin McNeil, which I thought just from afar was one of the worst decisions they've ever made, Uh, especially considering they replaced him with Scotty Montgomery, who uh, did not have a very successful tenure at East Carolina. Uh, you know, they're 18 and 50 overall since that point, including a three and six record last year where they got better as the season went on. You know, they, they talk about that 52 38 win over SMU uh, at the end of last year. That was a big deal. Uh, you know, this team last season and, and last season, I continue to believe you could throw 
a lot of it out the door, you know, because of COVID and all the rescheduling and the chaotic nature, no fans, that kind of thing. It's uh, there are a lot of 52, 38 types of ball games that uh, in a normal year may not have been quite that high scoring. Although in the American and you're playing SMU, maybe so in a normal season. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a, it's a game where again, we, you know, we, we, we thought we knew last week going in Zeb Nolan was going to be the starting quarterback. It appears to be Nolan or Luke Doty this week. Um, I'll get to that here when we start to predict everything. Um, I want to remind everybody the big Gamecock preview show with JB and Goldwater, Michael Flint and myself uh, coming up this afternoon at one o'clock. And then it'll be available in podcast form and on the big spur and all that uh, for your pregame activities. So you got a lot to listen to (laughs) Yeah, this, you have another episode of this. Uh, and then the big Gamecock preview show uh, for a noon kickoff Saturday, uh, Gamecocks in East Carolina. Um, looking through the game notes, uh, South Carolina, since the turn of the century, is 48-4 and four against non-Power 5 opponents. I had it clarified for me that the Connecticut game in 2009, that's one we all would like to forget in the PapaJohns.com Bowl a 20 to seven loss at the time Connecticut was what was considered a, in a BCS conference. Uh, it was the power six, the big East was hanging on for dear life. Sort of like maybe the big 12 will be doing. We don't know. Uh, we know they're expanding, uh, but Connecticut was still part of that. So it, 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 it counts as a group of five loss now because UConn is clearly in the group of five. Heck they may go back to one double a uh, or FCS, but at the time, they were that. So that's the fourth one. The other ones, of course, uh, were another loss in Birmingham to South Florida, 46-39, Muschamp's first year in overtime. Uh, and then, of course, Mike Houston and the Citadel beat the Gamecocks 23-22. Eli Drinkwitz at App State beat the Gamecocks 20-15. Those games were in 2015 and 2019, respectively, uh, and were – you know, two of the less memorable. They're, they're all not memorable. You know, I, I think that South Florida game, by the time that game rolled around, South Florida was really good on offense. The Gamecocks defense had had its moments that year, but it was – as as time went on that season, if you notice, teams started figuring it out. Even East, even Western Carolina at the end of 2016 put a big number up on the Gamecocks. That was a 2-9 and nine FCS football team. Uh, so no surprise in that one. The Gamecocks got behind early. Jake Bentley had a good game leading them back through for almost 400 yards. But at the end, uh, things just didn't go, go Carolina's way. Wide open guy in the end zone. I think T.J. Alleman had a chance to pick it if he'd have gotten a better jump on it. Uh, they scored. And then I think on fourth down, the RPO play call uh, was tipped or something, broken up. Bentley was trying to get it to somebody. I don't remember who. Uh, but, you know, those group of five losses hurt. I mean, you know, you're sitting there uh, as a program trying to compete in the Southeastern Conference, and, you know, you don't really want to lose to a group of five team, although it happens. This is uh, this is not something that's, you know, a situation where it, it's, it's, it's rare. I mean, it's obviously rare, 48-4 record. But it's not a situation where we don't see teams go – especially on the road. You know, if you're Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they go to Memphis sometimes and lose uh, right up the road, kind of like this one. 
Um, you know, so it happens. It does happen sometimes. And I think if you're the Gamecocks, you have to be very aware of that this weekend. And I actually ha- think it helps motivation-wise and things like that to be going on the road. Uh, you know, you kind of can create some uh, built-in adversity for your team facing a hostile road crowd. Uh, they're expecting forty to 45,000 in a 50,000-seat stadium. I think the Gamecocks will bring five or 6,000 up there, uh, maybe more. A lot of people are talking about going, and I think it'll be a big Gamecock road crowd uh, for that football game. And, and the other thing is this, too. You know, the Gamecocks tend to travel pretty well. I think in recent years, sometimes, I mean, how many times can you really enjoy going to ten, uh, Knoxville and Athens and kind of the same places over and over, Charlotte, wherever, uh, Tampa for a bowl game. But this is the uh, first time since 97 they've been up there. and sort of like the Ole Miss game back in 2018. or Yeah, 2018. Uh, you know, Carolina hadn't been out there in 10 years. So, big crowd for the Gamecocks out in Oxford that day. Gamecocks, of course, won 48-44 in uh, what's best described as a wild one. And we see a lot of Ole Miss games that are like that uh, these days. Uh, they got a good football team this year, too, by the way, out at Ole Miss. I, I think uh, very impressed with how their defense played in the first half Monday night against Louisville. I don't know how good Louisville is. seems like they get worse and worse, which is amazing to me because you got Scott Satterfield in there. And then the issue with Bobby Petrino was maybe he didn't recruit as well, but his players led him to eight and five. And then last year was a losing effort. And then this year's not off to a very good start. And you look at them and it's players. I mean, you know, you don't Louisville just doesn't have players, you know, and you need players, you know, so we're going to find out this weekend uh, to a certain extent, how many players the Gamecocks have, of course, the following weekends an even bigger measuring stick against Georgia, but that's next week. You know, Carolina absolutely has to win this one. Uh, I think to to continue to progress and to kind of uh, I, I don't want to say quiet naysayers uh, because there's always going to be naysayers uh, out there and I don't think there are very many within the fan base right now win or lose but you win this one you're a third of the way to a bowl which has kind of been you know Shane Beamer hasn't stated this as a goal this year but uh you know, everybody else says, hey, Gamecocks get to a bowl, it's going to be a good year. I tend to agree with that. Although when I look at the schedule and you're talking about a six and six bowl team, that means their Gamecocks are eventually going to lose to someone you don't want them to lose to. You know, in other words, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, dare I say Vanderbilt. I'm <laughs> that Vanderbilt question Mitchell sent in on the mailbag the other day. And by the way, the I Help Consulting mailbag, uh, we're going to maybe split it up here a little bit. Uh, for the next for this episode and the next one but um you know <laughs> that uh, that question for Mitchell the declaration that this is the year the Gamecocks moved lose to Vandy you know first and foremost I think he he made that after or before the um before the game last Saturday night and then number two I think that uh y- y- you know I, I think that the logic there was fine you know, because I think that eventually, you know, you're not going to avoid it. South Carolina is going to lose to Vanderbilt again. I mean, they haven't lost since 08. Uh, I don't think it's this year. And if it is, there's issues. Um, unless it's just a Titanic upset and the Gamecocks uh, aren't nearly as good as people think. You know, you look, ETSU came in and beat Vandy by 20 
on their home field. And it, it wasn't, according to my friend Mike Morgan, who called the game for the SEC network, it wasn't like a fluke loss. You know, Van they beat Vanderbilt. They they went in there and won the game. Uh, so lots of issues. Uh, Clark Lee, their head coach, said rock bottom. But anyway, that that's that that that's not what to say as a question. It drew a lot of a uh, lot of conversation on the big spur and everywhere. Uh, you know that kind of thing. So yeah, we've got uh, we've got three. You know, we, we've got a couple of mailbag questions for this one, and then in our wrap up, we will have uh, even more. You know, coming up, I help consulting mailbag. All right, I want to tell you about Cindy Searfoss. Uh, Cindy Searfoss is married to a hardcore Gamecock fan. Um, Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate in Spartanburg, all over the upstate. She works. She's been up there for more than 35 years and would love to help you with all your real estate needs. I know the housing market's been a little fluid lately, um, and I know that a lot of people, you know, th- that are both moving around the upstate or moving to the upstate uh, need this kind of expert help. Uh, it's Cindy Searfoss, realtor at Colwell Banker Kane. Uh, she can be contacted at 864 414 5271 or at C Searfoss, that's C S E A R F O S S, at cbkane.com, C B C I A N E.com, or just call her or text her, 864 414 5271. Tell her you heard about her on Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, she is the proud sponsor of the weekly Gamecock score prediction, prediction Thursday, or in this case, Friday. Uh, and so we're going to get to it right now. Uh, special thanks to Cindy Searfoss for hooking us up with the sponsorship here. All right. So first and foremost, the East Carolina defense, the, the, they are concerning in a way. And I, I say this because, you know, we, we've seen this 2021 Gamecocks team play once and it was against Eastern Illinois. And obviously it was a blowout. Obviously, EIU and Tony Morrell pointed this out. Talent wise, they were kind of toward the bottom of all the teams that have come in and played the Gamecocks over the years. Uh, there's just no way around it. I mean, a lot of guys that, you know, probably need to run a little faster, probably, you know, they they are there's a reason why they are 0-2, and, and there's a reason why they've been struggling in FCS. Now, I think they're pretty well coached. I thought their plan. Uh, for the game, you know, you, you sort of sometimes if you're an FCS program, you may come in and just play your base defense and throw caution to the wind and say, uh, we're just going to get our brains beat in here, but we're going to work on some things. And they're, they're not out there trying to necessarily win. I thought EIU had the game plan in place to, to win. I mean, what they, you know, that's what you do. If you read the scouting report on South Carolina, you try to get things vertically down the field. Of course, their quarterback was injured, uh, I guess, was nursing an injury, so they started their backup, but he's a better thrower. And they tried to get vertical at times. Uh, did not – they were not successful most of the time. Uh, they, and on defense, they tried to overwhelm the Gamecock offensive line with numbers, and sometimes they were successful in doing that. Um, so East Carolina, when you look at them on defense, they have a lot of what you call exotic blitz packages – um, that's a concern going in. I, I think for everyone who blocks the offensive line included, the tight ends, especially the backs, you know, they have to keep Noel under Doty or whoever upright. Uh, and you have to open holes for your running backs. Uh, you know, you can have the best running backs ever. They don't have room to run. 
it's tough. You know, even guys like Marcus Lattimore, Mike Davis, who have put up a th- Kevin Harris last year. When you look at those games where maybe they didn't get to a hundred yards or something, it's directly related with not to, to not having room to run. You know, you remember Kevin last year against Missouri and Georgia and Texas A&M, you know, the, the Gamecocks were just overwhelmed up front and couldn't get any blocking going and they were whipped. And those games obviously did not turn out well for Kevin Harris or for the Gamecocks. Uh, but uh, Harris is back this week. Um, so we'll see kind of how he can get going. Uh, but that's a major concern, you know, coming in to, for me, just looking at it, major concern about the ECU defense and sort of, you know, how they play and, and the Gamecocks struggled with that style last week. And I don't think anything different this week. I think you're going to see them bring pressure. Um, Holton Ayers, their quarterback. Uh, I think that's how you say it, Holton Ayers. Uh, Holton Ayer, a Holton Ayers. Hold on. Holton Ayer, Ayers. Sorry. Shoot. I didn't, uh, I was going to look that up and uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't do it. He's an older guy. Um, junior 63230, good arm. You know, you look at kind of how he did last year. You know, he could run a little bit. Last week, 22 for 41 pick, two touchdowns, 295 passing yards. Um, last, in 2018, he had 592 on the ground. You know, six touchdowns rushing, same with 2019. You know, this guy is uh, an outstanding quarterback. Um, only nine games last year. In 2019, he threw for 3,387 yards, 21 touchdowns, 10 picks. You, you know, 55% of his passes last week, he's normally about a 60% um, passer. And so, you know, I, I think it's important to put pressure on him and not let him escape the pocket. You know, I think the Gamecocks, there's no doubt in my mind, the Gamecocks defensive line can get there. Uh, they just got to make the sack. Uh, and, you know, one of the posters on the message board pointed out about, and one of these guys that likes to watch film, pointed out Jordan Strong last week was there a lot and, you know, now it's, he's got to start closing uh, on, on some of those guys and getting sacked. Same with the rest of the D-line, which I certainly think they're capable of doing. Um, but he's a weapon. He is a big, big weapon. And uh, he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink in their offense. Uh, I keep calling him Keaton Williams. He's Keaton Mitchell. Uh, that's a guy that, um, ha, you know, you got to watch. You know, he was called the fastest player uh, in college football last week at a big 39-yard run, also a weapon out of the backfield. This is the type of guy, you know, they throw to their backs a lot. And this is the type of guy that I think can hurt him. You know, five receptions, 79 yards, a touchdown against App, 63-yard reception. Um, You know, Rajai Harris is another back that they have that uh, played at Burns and I think his sophomore, junior year, uh, I took a part-time gig when I was living in Greenville as the sideline reporter. That That's the first and last time I'll ever be a sideline reporter. Uh, but uh, it was fun. You got to see the old alma mater play. It was one of their worst years ever, unfortunately. 
but Harris uh, is a guy that started out as a tr- as a freshman in high school that you know coming out of middle school uh, the Middle Tiger area in Spartanburg was a buzz about him. He gained some bad weight, uh, kind of caused some of the bigger schools to back off a bit, but then he got that under control. And ever since he's been at East Carolina, you know, he's been really good, you know, and he's, uh, he's, he was a freshman last year. He's a freshman again this year. He's 5'10, 224. Didn't really get it going on the ground against App. Eight for 22 yards. Uh, not good there, but he caught four passes for 56. Last year, averaged 78 yards a game, 624 yards, four touchdowns uh, in eight games, and had an 80-yard touchdown pass on top of that. So, And he's already two, two catches away from his receiving total from last year. So they're planning on using him out of the backfield quite a bit. Ryan Jones is a tight end that caught thirty caught a thirty eight yard touchdown last week. Um, you know, he's a uh, a player that came in uh, to Oklahoma when he signed and uh, was a, a defensive guy, a uh, linebacker, uh, eight tackles in twenty nineteen at Oklahoma. Moved to Back to Greenville. He's from Charlotte. Back to Green, North Carolina. Went to ECU last year. Um, sat out. You know, he was. Th- this was pre-portal or pre-rule where you are, are automatically eligible. Sat out a year. Uh, he's back. Uh, really good tight end. I-, I thought. You know, he did have the one touchdown reception, but I thought. You know, when you looked at him, um, you know, athletically, a good player could certainly hurt the Gamecocks. This weekend, the right tackle, starting right tackle for the Pirates is out. Uh, so there's a backup coming in there, and I, I bet the Gamecocks know that. <laughs> and with uh, Ehlers being a uh, a lefty, you know that's that's his blind side. So you know you look at that. That's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, the ECU defense did. I mean, look, last week, blitzing aside. You know, East Carolina averaged 6.3 yards per carry. Uh, And I'll say this, it may kind of be a little bit confusing um, to some because, you know, App State's a Sunbelt team and all that good stuff. But App State, as well as anybody in the country, runs this zone running game. Uh, they, they, they rep it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's, it's when it's on, it's on. And it was on in Charlotte last Thursday night, uh, 226 net yards, 6.3 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Chase Bryce, the former Clemson and Duke quarterback, was App's quarterback, very efficient, 20 for 27, 259 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, regardless of who starts, they're going to need to be efficient like Chase Bryce was, you know, last weekend. And they spread it around to a bunch of different receivers and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, if you're the Gamecocks, you know, you need to kind of pay attention. I mean, another thing is this one, two, two, three and a half, four, five, six. Uh, the Pirates last week had seven tackles for loss in that football game. So high risk, high reward kind of deal uh, when you're talking about that. Uh, so the Gamecocks uh, have their work cut out for them. This is a good football team. Uh, like Shane Beamer said earlier this week, throw the App State game out. Uh, 
you know, they had some mistakes, uh, but it was, a, you know, some penalties and stuff. If it weren't for that and some bad calls, in my opinion, that game would have gone right down to the wire. We talked about Doty or Nolan, which one's going to get the start. Uh, I'm leaning, and, and this is just my opinion, I'm leaning towards reading the tea leaves that Zeb Nolan's going to start the game. Uh, don't know that for sure. But uh, obviously with those two guys, and I think you, you'll see this as the year moves forward, uh, regardless of who the quarterback ends up being, uh, that Luke and Nolan, the offense is going to be a little different when Luke's in there just because of what he can do in his skill set. And so obviously I don't think it's a bad idea to make them prepare for both. Uh, you know, because Doty with his legs and some of the design plays they have for him to use his legs, that's that's a different preparation than Nolan's skill set, sort of what they, the Gamecocks may do there. So, you know, and I'll say this too, you know, Shane Beamer's right in saying this. And, I, and I've said, I've mentioned this statement for a long time with Doty in particular you know, with what he does with his feet and the fact that footwork in the passing game, when it leaves him, that's when bad things tend to happen. So the feet have been a point of emphasis for Luke Doty all offseason. So if your foot is not 100%, you know, he doesn't need to play because that not only will, you know, keep him from running the ball uh, effectively, but it's also going to hurt his passing because you have to, you know, you have to plant or what is his plant foot. So you have to do that. Pretty curious to see how they handle the run game with Kevin Harris back. Uh, obviously, the SEC's leading rusher last year and one of the few weapons the Gamecocks had on offense in 2020. Uh, big play waiting to happen, but also a very tough runner between the tackles. Um, so Quandre White's going to continue to be a big part of the offense. I, I was very encouraged by the way he caught the ball. Uh, last Saturday, four receptions, 39 yards, and a TD. Uh, so you can use him in different ways. They threw it to Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell, too. Uh, Rashad Amos is back. Many of you have asked about Rashad. Uh, I guess he was nursing an injury last weekend. Remember, he was hurt for the spring game, too. Uh, but he's back. So, you know, if it, you know things go extremely well, the Gamecocks could end up – or horribly, uh, you could see – Rashad Amos getting some carries. They, uh, you know, that was kind of a question that a lot of people asked last week. Uh, but yes, he was injured per Shane Beamer. So I'm pretty curious to see how they're going to work this in, in the in the running game with all the backs. Uh, and then you got guys like Jaheim Bell and DeCarian Joyner who will probably carry it from scrimmage as well. Um, you know, DeCarian, the talk was this week getting more reps at Wildcat quarterback. I think that's probably where he's at his best for right now until we see it in a game that he can get separation at receiver or whatever. Uh, you know, that may be his best spot. And that means Amarian Brown probably will get more snaps and looks. And, you, you know, you talk about speed. Uh, I talked about Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina. Amarian Brown's pretty fast, too. Uh, really fast player. Uh, you know, Jalen Brooks, Josh Van, and those guys, it's going to be important that they get open and catch the ball because I, you know, again, if I am East Carolina, I'm not, you know, the other night didn't really change my opinion uh, or my approach in this game. Now you do have to feel like Marcus Satterfield hold held some things back vertically. I mean, it, cause it's one of two things. 
it's either the Gamecocks are not planning on going down the field a lot in passing this year because they just feel like they're limited, which is plausible. Or they just said, all right, well, we're up 29 nothing or 22 nothing or whatever. Uh, let's just, you know, let, let's not try to chuck it down the field or just kind of be methodical and not put a lot on tape. And so, you know, that's the hope. That's the hope. You don't know, though. You know, I, I, I know that Shane Beamer said many times publicly that the, this team has the, you know, the chance to, to go vertical and then they can make explosive plays down the field. And, uh, you know, the explosive play thing, that's going to be something you probably get sick of hearing <laughs> this year. Uh, and it, it was something Will Muschamp talked about a lot too. And I, I think the tendency around here sometimes is that uh, anything he talked about, including naming a position on the field, the buck, and Clayton White has a buck too, but it's different. Um, you know, nobody wants to hear anything like that. And that's fine. You know, I, I get it. But explosive plays – uh, Gamecocks have to have them, you know, Saturday. I mean, and, and that's, and, and I'll say this, you know, in, in today's era of football, you know, that's something every coach talks about. You know, you listen to people around the country and they talk about explosive plays and things like that. And certainly South Carolina needs to do that uh, this weekend. Um, all right. So, again, thanks to Cindy Searfoss for the prediction uh, sponsorship here on prediction friday and so i'm gonna get into it all right so so here here are my keys to the game okay um and number one you got to get the run game going it's a tale as old as time that you keep your run game and your defense uh, or you take your run game and your defense on the road uh there's no reason why south carolina shouldn't be able to run the ball successfully on saturday uh i do think ecu is going to try to bottle it up and dare them to pass. And if that's the case, you got to be able to pass to back them off and then you can run again. Um, so I, 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 and then the Gamecocks, I, you know, running game is a handful as long as you have other elements to kind of complement it. Um, but I think they absolutely cannot get bottled up in the run game and expect to win the football game. Uh, that would be uh, tough. You know, I mean, you look at Clemson last Saturday night, you know, and, and certainly their passing game was misfiring, but they didn't even try to run the ball against Georgia. And, you know, that's how you lose games 10 to 3. <laughs> if you can't run the football, uh, then the defense kind of knows what to expect. Of course, you know, I think, in my opinion, the way East Carolina is going to stop South Carolina's run attack is to, to load it and to have different – exotic pressures gamble a little bit and so when they gamble the Gamecocks definitely have to make them pay but I, I think there's a chance in this one that regardless of what they do schematically um Gamecocks can still run the football I mean you know that they just the Gamecocks have uh despite you know an iffy I would call it an iffy an okay performance against Eastern Illinois by the offensive line they, these guys have talent uh, and these these guys, that's a that's an advantage. South Carolina against the ECU defensive line, which is good. ECU's defensive line's better than Eastern Illinois by a good margin. But you know, look, South Carolina, these guys, you know, Turnantine, Nichols, Douglas, Gwynn, uh, Wanham, Lee, Jakai Moore, 
these guys have all played in Southeastern Conference, okay? I mean, they've played against some of the best defensive linemen uh, in America already. You know, it's not like they're trotting out, Gamecocks are trotting out five freshmen or three freshmen or whatever on the O-line. These guys are experienced. um, And talent-wise, ECU, like I said, they're a million miles ahead of where EIU was on the D-line. But the Gamecocks should be able to – to do some things. Uh, now, look, if they're overwhelming, if they're bringing eight and you're only blocking with six, and there's guys running free. What you got to do is back them off with the pass. Now, sometimes it's a swing pass. Sometimes it's vertical, uh, whatever. But the Gamecocks definitely have to do that. Secondary is going to be important. I think a lot of – I think the secondary last week, and I'm going to tell you about Cam Smith uh, and the others, uh, you know, they. it wasn't like – EIU presented this big threat, but I, I thought the, the 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 positive part of it, and what you what you hadn't seen in a while, uh, is these guys were out there playing physical. Um, you know, Jalen Foster, Cam Smith, uh, and I'll start with Smith. I mean, this guy, he looked like a much more confident player. We've been telling you that. Uh, I think he got that confidence thanks to you know, getting thrown out there last year after Horn opted out and, you know, Mukwamu opted out and all that. But, uh, you know, he was, he was flying to the football. Uh, you know, I, he's the player that we saw on film coming out of high school where he was almost a five-star player, um, based on EIU and the way he was playing. And, and that's a confident player. Uh, now, you know, he's going to face some adversity. So how does he respond to that? Uh, Darius Rush was solid. You know, he's going to face some adversity. How does he respond? Um, the safeties, you know, look, man, Jalen Dickerson, what a what a great story for last Saturday. Uh, you know, 41 snaps. I didn't, I didn't think Jalen would play 41 snaps in a football game this year, but he did. Um, so congrats to him. You know, Marcellus Dial is still out there working hard, playing well. You know, you have uh, you have R.J. Roderick back this week. You know, so Roderick Foster, Dickerson, uh, Carlin Splatel will be out there. Nickel, David Spalding uh, really flashed and surprised. You know, he's playing physical and good. You got to at the nickel. Jamar Brown got out there. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's some guys in the secondary – uh, that that have potential. You, you just it scares you to death because that that group is so young. I mean, this is a road game, and you know, Mars. I'm just glad they played a football game last week. So this is not their first football game in years. But uh, you know, I think they're capable of being better than maybe the expectation is. Uh, which there were not high expectations for the secondary, but that's going to be a big, big, big deal. Um, you know, is is for the secondary uh, to get out there and get after it uh, against Holton Nailers, who obviously is a good quarterback with weapons to throw to. Gamecocks, uh, you know, I mentioned the run game. Protection is going to be big. Uh, and that doesn't matter who the quarterback – it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You know, I, I think you got to keep the pressure off Doty uh, when he's passing. Uh, yeah, open lanes when he's running, obviously, but protect him passing. And if it's Zeb Nolan – Obviously, he is a quarterback that needs protection. I, you know, he, he had a nice little run for a first down the other day. That's not his strength. Um, you know, you got to give him a chance to engineer the offense. 
Uh, so protection is going to be key. I thought the Gamecocks protected uh, relatively well the other night in, in the passing game. But like I said, different level athletes uh, with East Carolina this week compared to EIU. So they got to keep it up. Uh, you know, the defensive line last week, I thought it did a great job putting pressure on the quarterback. I, I, and I'll say this, that's the key. You know, that that's the big, the key. The advantage, if you want to circle a big one, the Gamecocks have in this game. You know, South Carolina, at defensive end, they tried out J.J. Enigbare, all-SEC guy. Uh, they tried out Aaron Sterling, who's a fifth-year guy who's very productive. Jordan Birch, we saw what he could do last week with the interception and run. Uh, that was a that was a five star play, by the way. Uh, if, if in case you guys are wondering what that looks like, and then Jordan Strong got there quite a bit and was active on special teams. You know, there aren't many programs around the country that have four defensive ends like that. You know, where you know two of them could be starting somewhere else. You know, because you only start two. Uh, I think it's important for Zach Pickens to continue to play well. And the defensive tackle opposite him, Jabari Ellis, has to get out there and get after it. Otherwise, I think you're going to see Boogie Huntley start to eat into his snaps or Tonka Hemingway. Um, Not that Jabari played bad the other week, but, you know, I think Boogie played really, really well. Uh, You know, the linebackers had a good debut. Everybody's worried about them. Um, You know, Brad Johnson – had the sack on the blitz, but, you know, Brad Johnson's blitz before, you know, he's rushed the passer before. That's kind of his uh, – with what he's done here, that's his MO. You know, what's going to happen when, you know, he's got to kind of fill the hole and, and, and all that or cover somebody in a pass situation like Keaton Mitchell. You know, the, that's that's something to look at. Sherrod Green was solid. You know, Damani Staley always has a lot of tackles when he's out there, but Mo Cobb and Debo Williams – Debo on special teams and uh, Mo Caba flashed as well, the backup linebackers. Uh, and then special teams, you know, on the road, a big special teams play uh, can certainly help your program or help your chances of winning. Uh, and uh, I think East Carolina is okay special teams-wise, but the Gamecocks have some some athletes uh, on in the special teams department they could flat out make some things happen, as we all saw last week. Uh, they're also very well coached with Pete Limbo. Uh, you got to make your field goals on the road. Uh, so Parker White, who I think was one for one last week, he needs to continue to be good because uh, you got to you need to get points on the board. Uh, but special teams are going to be a big key to this ball game, you know, if South Carolina wants to get out of there with a win. All right, so given all of that given information from practice this week, you know, given kind of my gut feel for the game. And I actually, you know, predictions are usually wrong. I I picked 42 to 10 last week. So it went better than I anticipated. Uh, So, you know, for your guys' sake, I'm going to continue to kind of be conservative uh, with my score predictions. Uh, You know, I I think it's a ball game where South Carolina's defense, you know, you're going to see them, not be perfect. You're going to have some moans and groans because ECU is going to make some plays. Uh, it's probably, I'd be shocked if it was a shutout. Uh, I think offensively, you see the game cost get the run game going, but also, you know, complete some passes, you know, to make some of some folks out there happy. Uh, I, I think that, you know, when you add it all up, it, it is a scary game because I, I do think East Carolina is probably better than what it showed last week. 
Uh, and app is really good. Uh, you know, so you look two touchdown loss to app state, but they could have tied it. They could have been tied just as easily if they clean some things up. Obviously I think, if I had to throw in a bonus key to the game, it's going to be penalties because it hurt the Gamecocks and the Pirates last week. You know, you can't commit stupid penalties, uh, and a lot of them were stupid. Now, there was a very questionable call uh, in the ECU game, uh, but, you know, you can't do that, can't give them a break. You know, you got them third and 15, you commit a PI, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and sometimes PI, pass interference is inevitable, but sometimes you do it, you shouldn't. Um, you know, and, and, and so you got to do that. You can't have a 63 yard touchdown run called back. Uh, you can't have a pick six called back because somebody's standing on the line when the play starts, uh, all that good stuff. So penalties would be kind of my bonus, uh, key to the ball game. So it all adds up to this. I, I think South Carolina wins the football game and covers, uh, 24, to 16. That's my pick. 24-16 Gamecocks. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a game that I think people walk away from with some concerns heading into the SEC schedule, but that, that's to be expected. I don't think anyone expected this team this year to not have any concerns, you know. And then you walk away from last week, uh, again, against an overmatched opponent. You win 46 nothing. Special teams of defense look elite. Offense had its moments too. Um, and, and so you're feeling pretty good. You know, this game's probably going to not make you feel as good as the last one. Maybe so. Uh, but it's going to be, a, in my opinion, it's going to be a win for South Carolina. Uh, I, I think the Gamecocks are just a lot better than people think uh, at certain spots. Uh, and then I think that the spots that we know they're pretty good, you know, that that's the that's the, the defensive line, the offensive line, the running backs, the tight ends. Those are the spots that can be a difference. Uh, you know, because because East Carolina is gonna have trouble matching up. Uh bottom line is, you know, Gamecocks are bigger, more athletic uh, along the lines of scrimmage than East Carolina can be. And uh, you know, Gamecocks have to have their playmakers making plays uh, and all that, but I, I think in the end. That's going to be the difference. I, I think South Carolina will also have, you know, an advantage in time of possession uh, in this one. I, you know, you, you kind of look at last week, Gamecocks had sort of uh, – they did have an advantage time of possession-wise, but they didn't um, – they didn't necessarily, uh, I guess, dominate in that statistical category. App had it 32 minutes to 27 for ECU. So not a huge advantage for the Mountaineers either. This could end up being a pretty big uh, advantage for the Gamecocks uh, in this game. Um, but 24-16, that is my pick uh, for the uh, prediction segment of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. All right. Got to get to the I Help Consulting mailbag now. And, again, uh, going to have sort of the wrap-up um, of uh, – the wrap up of uh, the week, the weekend review and that, that episode later today uh, probably will drop in the afternoon, probably sometime after the big Gamecock preview show with JB and Goldwater, you know, just some final thoughts, you know, final uh, opinions about this week, some news and notes and uh, your mailbag question. So if you're here this morning uh, and you want to get into the mailbag, uh, you can, uh, you can still do it. 
you know, the I help consulting mailbag, you could tweet to at the, uh, at the big spur pod, or you can, uh, you can go to, uh, you know, you can go to inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. All right. So here we go at the big spur pod on Twitter. Randy says, at the Big Spur Pod, your analysis that the team still has plenty of work to do is spot on. However, the biggest improvement I saw from last year was tackling in the open field. Guys wrapping up, not going for the big hit. Do you know if the new staff emphasized that in the offseason? Well, Randy, you know, it's been emphasized. Um, and, and look, I, I, I think that was encouraging to me because sometimes you either got it or you don't, Right. And uh, you have the ability to to do it, or you don't, or you want to do it, or you don't. And so, uh, you know, to me, that's uh, that's something that's important. Obviously, I'll also say this. I'll say this. You know, over the off season, you could emphasize it all you want, but you have to work on it when you got pads on. And it's interesting to me, the Gamecocks knock on wood. I'm not trying to jinx anything. You know, the the lingering injuries have all stemmed from the offseason. There's been some bumps and bruises. But the Gamecocks got out of fall camp really healthy. And, and I thought that was a key to the season for Beamer and company is, like, keep the guys healthy. Now, you know, it wasn't – they EJ Jenkins missed some time and got behind – um, you know, you had the Doty situation, obviously, which was less than ideal. You know, Harris was limited, but by and large, you know, the Harris, the Harris thing, and Cam Smith, who is fine now, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you look at it, and you know, the, the Smith and Harris were before practice started. You know, and then you got some other bumps and bruises and things like that. So, I think it's. Uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those things that that's pretty uh, you know pretty positive so far. And I forgot to read the I Help Consulting ad as normal. Uh, so this is the I Help Consulting mailbag portion uh, of this podcast. And if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money, and that's where I Help Consulting can help. I Help is a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So if you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, or anything else, I help can find the business. I help can find your business the most savings without sacrifice quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my friend, Daniel Owens at I help 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelpConsulting, how can I help you? Uh, Justin says, where's my daily dose of the Big Spur pot? Coming. And um, all that good stuff. Okay, so this is, a, this, is a, this is another question off Twitter from Josh. We appreciate you tweeting to at the Big Spur Pod, Josh. So JC, since what ifs are popular right now, I'm curious about your thoughts on a what if scenario. What if Skip Holtz had gotten the head coaching gig at South Carolina after his dad retired? I 
All right, look. So looking back on it, obviously hiring Steve Spurrier was an overwhelmingly positive thing for South Carolina. And so you can't really go back and say Skip Holtz would have, you know, done better. Uh, I think when you look at Skip Holtz's career, he has been really, really good at getting his teams to play up. In other words, you look at Louisiana Tech, three one-point losses at SEC programs since he's been there. Um, You know, I I think he's good at at that level, winning championships. East Carolina won some divisions and played for the, you know, AAC or maybe it's Conference USA at the time. Louisiana Tech's played for Conference USA championships. Uh, The thing with Skip, if if there's a criticism, is sometimes he loses games they have no business losing. Uh, in other words, at ECU, he would go and they'd thrash North Carolina or NC State at home, and then they'd go play uh, Memphis before Memphis was any good. Now, Memphis is good now, but Memphis was not good, and they'd lose by two points at home. Things like that. Uh, if I had a criticism of Skip Holtz, uh, that would be it. But I think he's been an awfully solid coach. Um, you know, my guess is that he would have won – but you look down the road, would would they have gotten Mark Slattimore? Would they have gotten Jadavian Clowney? Would they have gotten Stephon Gilmore? Those are the things you have to ask yourself because, you know, as good as Coach Spurrier was at keeping it above water um, and winning seven or eight every year, you know, six one year until Marcus got there in 2010, um, you know, that South Carolina needed more players and they ended up getting some superstars. And that was the difference. And it wasn't just the superstars. Uh, you know, a lot of people out there claim that, you know, that's the only way they were any good is because, oh, the, the state had all this talent. And, that, you know, and, and, it, and look, guys like Lattimore and Clowney and Gilmore and, you know, Swearinger and all those cats. And I, I won't even include DJ in there because, you know, he wasn't exactly rated that high. Although he, looking back on it, he should have been. Um, it, it was getting the superstars, but it was also getting guys like, you know, that could make a difference that maybe weren't, you know, like Antonio Allen, like Ace Sanders, you know, Bruce Ellington, had he been a football recruit, would have been a four-star guy, uh, but he wasn't. So you got him. That was kind of, that was kind of fun, uh, you know, getting him, despite what certain people wrote about pillaging him off the basketball team. Um, you know, some of the linemen they got like Rokevius Watkins out of Juco, uh, was outstanding, but you know, then you also got guys that were, that were highly rated like AJ can and Brandon shell and those guys that were there toward the end. But, um, you know, some people think that's all it was and it's not, it's never one thing. It's a, it's sort of an all of the above, uh, kind of thing. You need players, you need coaching, you need confidence. You need to run your program the right way. Um, and, and do I think Skip Holtz, to answer your question, Josh, would have done all those things? Absolutely. But, you know, w- would he have taken that team in 05 and beaten Tennessee and Florida, which that set up the 07 class in a way, you know, that success, which was a, a class that helped lay the foundation, so to speak. So, um those are the questions you have to ask yourself. And I don't know, you know, I, I, I think I tend to think if Spurrier, let's say Spurrier taking North Carolina the year before. Um, and so you couldn't 
couldn't couldn't get Steve Spurrier. Uh, well, then you know Skip had been the guy. Skip would have been the guy. I mean, it it uh, you know then you have to ask yourself too if Lou retired and the fight still happened up in uh, Death Valley, you know, would that have cost Skip the job? And would have they have gone in another direction? So um, uh, seems like you know, and, and it, with those two searches, it gets confusing because Lou Holtz, you know was the guy and he got the job Spurrier was the guy and he got the job. But, you know, I, I, I don't remember, I don't remember them talking to Frank Beamer during the Spurrier deal. Maybe so, but um, they did talk to Frank Beamer before Holtz uh, definitely during 1999. And then, you know, who else in 04 would have been in the mix for that job? I, I tend to think if you couldn't hire Steve Spurrier that, uh, you know, Skip Holtz would have gotten it you know, just because at the time, who else do you hire? But uh, it's an interesting scenario. It's certainly relevant here. The Gamecocks play in East Carolina because, you know, when Skip was in East Carolina, that's that's how this series sort of got – people ask, why are they going up there? Well, that that's why. Um, so, anyway, that's, uh, that's a good deal there. Good question. Good question. Um, and Justin says, where's my daily dose? So, there we go. All right, so we're going to do one more question out of the iHelp Consulting Mailbag, and this comes via the inbox, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, again, if you're listening to this in the morning, get some questions in because I'm doing another one this afternoon to wrap it up, and those are always mailbag heavy. And I've got some saved, so uh, we will have content. So, like, hey, JC, Seth says, hey, JC, thanks for the podcast. No question, just a comment. So this is not a question, it's a comment. Now I will pontificate on it. Uh, to all the Gamecock fans saying that Satterfield is a horrible OC and that Justin Stepp can't coach. Um, all right, who, whoever said that is moronic, by the way. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that on the Big Spur, that specifically. I, you know, Justin Stepp can't coach. I, I haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen anybody say that. Now, I haven't exactly – I sort of decided this week to not read any of the Facebook comments from some of these Facebook groups and try to stay off Gamecock Twitter you know, just because I knew there would be some severe overreaction both ways. Um, but uh, I don't – I think that whoever said that's dumb, you know, or not really intelligent uh, or even – functionally smart uh you know and and look you know as far as step goes it's he's dealing with the hand he was dealt right as far as satterfield goes we'll see you know i mean look i if you're sitting there wondering you know and like i said earlier it's one of two things they're either not able to throw it down the field or they just weren't there's some gamesmanship there but you know i didn't i didn't get a feel like Early in the game, there was anything wrong with the play calling. Um, later on, I think I was trying some things or whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah, look, on Satterfield in particular, it's too early to know. And I said, I've said all summer, we're not going to really know until the fourth game of the year where, where you got a team that you're overmatched, that you've overmatched. Uh, you got a road game against a team you have more talent than, but they could realistically beat you. 
uh, one of the top five, then one of the top five teams in the country on the road, and then a division opponent that has high expectations this year coming into Williams Price. That gives you a nice cross section, and, and that gives you a, an idea of him matching wits uh, with a lot of these guys. You know, I don't the EIU D coordinator. I think he came over from Northwestern with with Cushing. Um, don't know much about him. Did think they had a good game plan. Um, we know ECU, uh, what they're going to do. Mike Houston's a defensive guy. Uh, we know that bunch of Georgia, how they like to play defense. And then we know uh, Mark Stoops and, and Kentucky and, and their defense, which is usually, you know, pretty solid and they have high expectations. So you're going to have to really wait before you start making snap judgments on Marcus Satterfield and all that good stuff. Uh, so, and Seth goes on to say, criticizing coaches and players after a game one forty six nothing win is ridiculous. Yeah, there was room for improvement, but it's the first game of the first year in a new system with a lot of unproven players. Absolutely. You know what this negative is going to get you? Roper and McClendon 2.0 and more unproven talent because no one will want to be a part of a program with a negative fan base. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of recruits, um, you know, committed this summer committed, you know, not only because of the feel they got, and, and this was primarily the atmosphere that the new staff created and the positive deal and, and, and the honesty and things like that. That's 85% of it. But if you don't think recruits are sitting on social media, reading comments from fans, you, you've got another thing coming. Um, thank God more don't respond because I mean, I, I would just block people. So, uh, and yeah, but no one wants to be part of a program with a negative fan base. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I've talked to many recruits and their families that raise questions and, and, and it's not that you're not going to get a guy, but that, that gives the staff like more hurdles to jump over. Um, and every staff in the country has to deal with that. Uh, but I, you know, Seth, I haven't read anything like you've read. So, the portion of the fan base I deal with, I'm going to give, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on the big spur or whatever. Like I said, I haven't gotten on social media, but you know, anybody that's talking crap right now about Satterfield or, or even Justin Stepp, especially who's proven, um, you know, that, that that's not very intelligent. And, and those people may not even be Gamecock fans. I mean, you just never know. He said, you people sound like Clemson fans after a loss to a top five program in game one of the season. Um, Oh, I remember. I know what you're referencing. Oh, it was Spence's email the other day right here on the podcast. Oh, I remember that. Okay, yeah. Look, Spence Spence has been emailing me, calling when there's call-in radio show. Uh, that I, I hosted The Box in Columbia from 08 to 2010. Uh, it was me and Corey Miller, and then it was Corey Mike. Corey, Mike, Morgan, and I for a while. And um, Spence has been sending stuff in for a long, long time. <laughs> He's been a member of my sites for a long, long time. That's just who he is. You know, he he will go and pick out the, the, the most negative things <laughs> and uh, emphasize them. But, but his heart's in the right place. I mean, he's a big fan. Um, like I said, he's been listening to me and, 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 emailing me for years that's just sort of who he is so Seth I, I it just hit me while I was sitting here talking I was like huh well that's I haven't seen that and then I was like I just remembered the last episode and Spence's email which 
in my mind, it, I, I compartmentalize things. And so that's just an email from Spence. That's not a trend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and so that's the deal there. But now it hit me when you were saying that. I was like, yeah, he did allude to some of those things. And I, uh, I but, you know, I came back on him a little bit there. Uh, but he's a good dude, and that's just him. So, yeah, I, I apologize for that. But uh, uh, you've said your piece now, too. And I, I tend to agree with that. And uh, when I said that wasn't smart, Spence, I wasn't necessarily talking about you. I know you and who – I know you're smart. You know, that's just who you are. Uh, but anybody else that's out there just bloviating about that or blah, 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 and if bloviating is not a word, I know my friend Freehawk will tell me about it on DM on Twitter. Um, you know, then that's a different story. So there you go. Seth, thanks for your email. And again, the I help consulting inbox mailbag. I help consulting mailbag mailbag inbox. It's all I help consulting folks. Again, call Daniel. If you want to save money on your business expenses, uh, get up with Cindy Searfoss, who's the proud sponsor of this segment. Again, Spartanburg-based, upstate realtor, Caldwell Banker Kane, 864-414-5271. Cindy's 35 years. You know, that, that's a lot of experience. Uh, I can help you out with her real estate needs. Her husband's a huge Gamecock fan and a athletics coach uh, at my alma high school alma mater. So you burns rebels out there. You need to need help with uh with your home selling or buying or any real estate situation, give Cindy a call. You'll be helping, helping a Gamecock, helping a Burns Rebel, uh, all that good stuff. So this has been uh, Prediction Day, Prediction Friday, Prediction Thursday, uh, on the Inside the Game Pass podcast. Again, the weekly wrap episode later. Um, also, want to tell you to check out JC and Morgan for this week. Mike and I talk about week one, week two, he was at the Vandy debacle, so if you want some insight on Vanderbilt, uh, that would be good. We also talked about a lot of other teams. Uh, and a good point that I made up there uh, or up there on that show this week, uh, seven teams in the league, including South Carolina, I don't have any idea. Uh, after Because of who they played, uh, you, know, you, you just don't know. Auburn, Kentucky, Gamecocks, Missouri, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Miss, even Mississippi State, you know, beating Skip Holtz and Louisiana Tech by one. Yeah, I think everybody's, like, oh, my God, they're going to be bad this year. That's not necessarily true. I've seen many teams survive an opener, and then the next week they're out there beating LSU or whoever. They don't play LSU this week, but they play NC State this week. So it would not surprise me to see the Bulldogs, who were not as impressive as NC State in the opener, beat NC State in Starkville this weekend. Um, so anyway, uh, that was we, we got into all that on the J.C. and Morgan podcast. Get that where podcasts are. Also, don't forget, later today, the big Gamecock preview. Myself, Jamie Bradford, Darren Goldwater uh, of J.B. and Goldwater fame, and uh, also former Gamecock receiver Michael Flint breaking down the X's and O's. Uh, should be a tremendous show. That gets started at 1 o'clock today on J.B. and Goldwater. You can, They stream it on Twitter. They stream it on YouTube. Uh, stream it all over the place. And then um, it'll be in podcast form. Uh, later today. All right. Thanks, folks. Appreciate it. Once again, the prediction sponsored by Cindy Searfoss, uh, 864. Uh, crap. Let me pull this up. 864-414-5271. Call Cindy. My prediction, and this is my final one, Gamecocks 24, Pirates 16. 
the next week of the season is upon us. It goes fast once the season starts, folks. Really fast. Uh, Gamecocks kick off at noon Saturday. And this has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast prediction Thursday slash Friday. I'm J.C. Sherbert. All of you have a wonderful day. Be sure to catch our next episode and the preview shows and, and all that as we bring you right on up to kickoff tomorrow in Greenville, North Carolina. Thanks, folks. Have a great one.